I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong, where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. So good day, good day, lovely, beautiful, intelligent, outgoing, all that people. You know, I feel good. I'm hoping that you're feeling good because at the end of the day, everything is all good. Like no matter what you're going through, we know that, right? Welcome again this week. I'm going to say why I'm really excited today because... I have my line sister on the show, and this is the first time I have had a line sister on the show. So y'all are going to love her because she's just dope, but I'm not just saying it because she's my line sister, but I'm biased, mind your business, whatever. And actually, we just celebrated X amount of years in the fold. We're going to leave it at that. But also, we had our probate this same weekend so many years ago. So it is just like so, so excited to have the Nzinga D. Impenda on the call today. Nzinga, sis, what's up? Thank you so much for having me. I am just so delighted just to see all that you're doing and that you asked me to participate because we need to spread love and share love with our first gen students. You're right. It's a grind a grind and everything. You're right. I am, I am like so excited, like so, so excited. And I actually just talked to Ari. Ooh. For y'all who are like, who is Ari? Ari is our 19 on the line and she crazy, but we, I love her. Like, I mean, all, I think we're all a little bit crazy. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm interviewing a Zinga today. She's like, what? So it's just like, it's exciting to see how everything just comes together. And then, you know, y'all, and I'm just California love. In Zingas, California. Yay, like, yay. <laughs> well, <what's that? laughs> look, okay, don't let that educatedness fool you. <laughs> all right. Oh, and Zingas, so look, because we get we get trip out all day. I know we can. Mm-hmm. And I just always love our connection. And y'all, this is a kind of that she'd be working on something. And you'd be like, you did what? <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, it's so easy. But you're about to find out why. And Zinga, please tell the people who you are and where you're from and all the amazing things about you. And what you don't tell them, I'm going to tell them so. Okay, yes. So I am a creator. I am a lover of life. And I'm a joy finder. That is essentially who I am. I love people. I want to create experiences and opportunities for people to experience their best selves and to enjoy and love life. So what my line says, I love my nine on the line, and we know that we're all divisible by three because I'm the 21 on my line. Come on. Is that I'm an author and an entrepreneur. Um, I recently released my newest book under my name, Who Made Potato Salad Celebrating the Journey of Black Womanhood. And I did this on my publishing company. In 2014, I released my first novel for young girls who are debating going relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that one was entitled Not in His Shadow. And so I, I did like a soft release of that. Like I wrote it, I put it out there, and then I went away. 
Uh, but with Who Made Potato Salad, I wanted the world to know about it. And because I had previously released Not In His Shadow, as I was going through the process of Who Made Potato Salad, I was like, why not just have my own publishing company mm-hmm. so that other creators and writers, specifically Black women and women of color, can have a platform to really elevate their voices. So that is what I am doing now. I am working hard to get Who Made the Potato Salad across <laughs> everywhere, across the country and visible. And then equally working on Get It Girl Publishing, which is my company, working with, again, Black writers, writers of color. Mm. So she told y'all all that. Let's catch it. Author, entrepreneur, has now a publishing company, a second book, was recently doing a tour before everything popped off, did a book release party. And what she didn't tell you is that she has not one, but two master's degrees. Like everybody enables this. <laughs> everybody enables and it's and it's interesting to see how you have evolved even as an entrepreneur, how you've evolved in your own identity. I'm always fascinated by that because I recall in a conversation we had previously that this whole concept of black womanhood and what it meant to you wasn't something at the forefront. But it ended up being so. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and even what led to you writing your most recent book? Absolutely. I'll say that Who Made the Potato Salad is God-led. I actually had the title before I even knew what the book would be. Oddly enough, I was on a walk with a soror, with a chapter soror, and we were just talking about things that were uniquely Black. Like, I just love being Black. It is like the best thing ever. Mm. It does come with, you know, it's challenges. Mm -hmm. And I think we're in an era and generation where we're definitely making advances. So that's always good. But so the Sora and I, we were just talking about things that were uniquely Black. And we got to, you know, family events where you do potluck style. And, you know, I don't know about y'all, but when I go to potluck style events with my family, I'm looking, lifting up lids and foil and everything. And I'm going, <laughs> who made this? Who made that? Right. Yes. Um, and the one thing that everyone wants to know, it's super important that we all know is who makes the potato salad? Because see, the potato salad, you know, especially if it's the middle of the summer and you're at a barbecue, that is like the brouhaha of, you know, your plate. And if, you know, the potato salad was not made by someone that is certified, the potato salad is going to stay at that table. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from that, and so I turned I was like, that sounds like a book title. And Sarah goes, it does. I said, I'm going to write the book. Mm. Simple as that. And then what happened was I said, well, how will this book be dynamic? And I said, well, Black women are usually charged with making a potato salad. And I need to find women who are dynamic and who have a story to share and who will feel comfortable sharing that story. So I reached out to my network and I got five women Mm -hmm. to participate and to really just talk about and share their experience being a Black woman in this world and in their journey and to say, you know what, there's been lowlights, but you know what, I'm living in the highlights now. And it was so important for me to show just regular everyday people who found their way. It's easy to relate to a celebrity or someone that you see that's visible, uh, but I feel like there's always a layer of separation. The women in this book, they're just your everyday mother, wives, single parents, you name it. They're real people. And I wanted my audience, uh, Black women, to know that 
sis, you are not in this alone. Sis, your experiences are valid. And at the end of the day, you have everything you need in you to rise above wherever you are. Whatever your whatever your stumbling block is, you have it within you and it's okay to acknowledge that. But then again, to go over that. Mm. What I love about you saying how it's like literally everyday people who are going through similar things, how I view the first gen lounge. This isn't to diminish anybody's celebrity if they should have a larger platform or something big, but I wanted this show to be relatable to where, like, when you see people, you see people who look like you, who are in similar situations as you're in, and it makes it easier to digest the information that they're giving you. I think that those who have, like I said, large platforms, I very much so welcome them onto the show and would love to have them and, you know, keep them as a part of the community. But I think it's important, like you were saying, at the foundation to be able to see people where you are and to help them figure out, you know, how to get through situations of being a Black woman. How do we resonate? How do we have real conversations? And to be accessible, that's really important, especially in the work that you're doing and that I'm doing, that to make a change, it's one thing to be accessible. So I love the accessibility that you had at the forefront of your thought in doing this. And if you don't mind sharing with us, what has been the biggest challenge for you in this journey thus far? Well, so here's an interesting part. The biggest challenge has been me listening to myself and allowing my voice to be the biggest voice in my head. Hmm. I, I didn't start off on a career as being an entrepreneur or an author since the third grade. I've always enjoyed writing, you know, short stories and poetry and things of that nature, but I never thought anything of it. I just knew that I would always be, you know, in the business world and a career woman. I mean, by the time I got to college, I had taken the track of psychology, thinking that I'll be a therapist, Mm -hmm. you know, being a licensed therapist and helping people that way. And what I had discovered when I was in my first master's program is I I don't want to work with people who are unmotivated. Hmm. I really want to work with people who understand that there are some blockages in their life and that they want to work to overcome them. Mm. Now, I don't know about any other state, but California makes it so when you're in your training programs that you have to work with all people across the spectrum, whether it's a forensic background, a child, a substance abuse. And so I said, well, that, that doesn't interest me. So I still proceeded. Obviously, I got the master's. But I figured, how can I use that training and that work that would be beneficial in a way that I could use it? And so I started to write more. And as I started to write and reflect and think about the world and the people that are in it, that obviously led to not in his shadow to some degree for the adolescents. But that's what made projects such as Who Made Potato Salad so valuable, right? Because I, I do have that you know, that clinical background and understanding behaviors and things like that. So once I realized that, you know what, Nzinga, God has placed you here for a reason and it is your responsibility to carry that plan through. You may not always understand the path that God wants you to go down, but if you just stick with it and just keep going, it will all reveal itself. And so I can say that, oh, okay, when we talk about my college career starting umpteen years ago, (laughs) Mm. that at that time, at 18 years old, when I entered Shaw University, I 
couldn't see where I am today. But yet when we fill in the gap between then and now, it makes sense because I needed to go through everything that I've gone through to be able to help create and inspire my contemporaries as well as the generations to come. And so was it scary? There are moments, yeah, where I was like, okay, well, I don't understand what's happening. There are moments where, you know, it wasn't completely clear, but, you know, I just cling to the word of God and everything always just rebuild itself Mm. as I went along. And so for anyone who, you know, feels like, okay, well, I feel like I want to do this, but I'm not sure. I say, make sure number one, that it is what you want to do and not what, you know, maybe your family or, you know, your support system wants, because it's very important to, again, living your truth and and what you believe God is directing you to do. And then secondly, cling to the word of God. (laughs) Make sure that you are praying for alignment with his will of your life. Because if you ever want to make God laugh, just tell him what your plan is. And then lastly, be patient and confident with the process. You know, you have to go through it. It is not going to just appear overnight. It will be nice. We all would like that. But that's just not what it is, you know. Beyonce wasn't Beyonce overnight. You know, she had her early days of Star Trek or Star Search, excuse me. And then she had her Destiny's Child days and then she became Beyonce. So you too can be the Beyonce in your world. It's just a process that you have to work through. Mm. And thinking about working through the process, because something, again, we talked about prior and I was like, I really, really love the idea of having this conversation. And that's making the best decision for you. Mm-hmm. When you think about what that's like or you are, you know, maybe consider talking to somebody who's telling you, hey, you know, in Zynga, I've got these things going on in my life and I just don't know what to do. How do you advise people to do like you've done and just make the best decisions for themselves? Because there's so many things that influence us daily in the decisions that we make, especially as first gen grads. we got family, co-workers, colleagues, spouses, like just a lot of things. How do we do what's best for us? I mean, that is such... Just an important question because, I, I again, my psych background, birth order is very important, hmm. right? And so I'm a middle child. I am like your quintessential middle child. And so there's definitely a little bit, if you ask my older sister, a definitely a little bit of selfishness built in. But it was because I needed to insulate myself from the environment around me. And I do have a lot of first-gen friends who are firstborn. Hmm. And so really the question is someone's asking, well, what do I want to do? Do I, do I go to a four-year right away? Do I go to a two-year? Do I go to a trade school? Do I enter the business world? Or if it's after graduation, do I go back home to be with my family? Do I, you know, move, relocate somewhere for a job? I would ask the question, what is in your heart? What is in your gut? Because that will ultimately lead you to what it is you should do. I know for myself, my sister had children. She's older than I am, but she had children. And I knew that she had the desire to go to college and get a four-year degree. And I had made the decision. So I'm going to go home, support her and work with her so that she too can have what I have. I didn't have children, so I didn't need to worry about that or think about that. And of course, that path led me down how I got to where I am today. But... Ultimately, we don't have to, you know, so to speak, guy on the sword because we feel obligated to help or support or to pay back a debt. 
If people who are in your life are meant to help you, then they're going to help you free of any strings or free of any holes. Mm. Now, no one held me accountable at all. That was a decision I made. And, and best decision ever, by the way. Mm. But if you're making a decision based upon feeling indebted to someone, I, I would almost encourage against that because that's not what we should do. We shouldn't be doing things because we feel obligated especially for ourselves. We can do a lot more for our families and for our friends or for our communities if we, number one, take care of ourselves, which means we have fully grown, developed, and have obtained, you know, the type of success that we see that we need and or want so that we can be able to give back. Uh, Because you can't give from an empty cup. And so it's important that we're always filling our cup and making sure that our cup is filled and managing that. Because if we don't manage our own cups, then no one will do that for us. So the first question is always, why do you want to do X? What does it mean for you? You know, and if you can really say, all right, my voice is the loudest one in my head and I hear my friends and my family and my support system. Well, ultimately, I'm going to make this leap of faith. I don't know what's on the other side of it. But again, if you cling to God, you take a leap of faith, God is going to be there to hold you anyway. Hmm. And so you just you just go with it and you just want to always make sure Thank you. I love you. I appreciate you. I believe it's always important to show and express our gratitude, but also letting folks know that you're going to do this thing. And it may not be clear to them. They may not understand. And that's fine because God didn't give it to them. God gave it to you. Mm, mm. He didn't give it to them. He gave it to you. So essentially, it's your responsibility to care for it, for your life, for what's happened. That's a perspective that I hadn't heard before. The way you frame, I love that framework. This is this is my gift. So I've mm-hmm. got to protect it and I've got to do with it what I must. Ironic, and you know, we just had the show recently where I talked about when graduating is disappointing. And a part of the story mm-hmm. was, of course, that when I graduated, I thought that everything was going to go a certain way. It was in my head about how it should be. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's my life and I can never be upset with other people for how they respond to my life because they have one of their own. Exactly. So if anybody's not showing up or being supportive or even how I think about how people are supposed to celebrate my wins or even, you know, my failures, that's not for me to worry about what they've got going on. If, you know, people show up, then great. If they don't, it's not a problem because we've all got our own thing. So I really love that framework of being responsible and and accountable for your own thing, which is your life and your Mm -hmm. gifts. I think that's really amazing. Even thinking about that, what do you do? Or what would you tell somebody who just feels like they're being met with a lot of resistance from people around them? You know, what do they do about those relationships? How do they navigate that? You know what? And I recently just had my own aha with this, but the people who are for you are for you. Mm period. Mm -hmm. There's going to be people who show up to clap that you didn't expect. And then there's going to be people to show up who, or there's going to be people who don't show up to clap, who you totally expected to show up. And much to what you said, we can't control and dictate and determine how people are going to show up for us. We might have our expectations, we might have our wants and our desires, but ultimately we're responsible for ourselves and the people that are for you are for you. And I must say that there are people who you will meet, you know, last week who will be the biggest supporter than someone who you've known your entire life. It doesn't take away from the people who maybe just can't be present and take part of it. That's fine. It's also okay to sometimes 
you know, let certain relationships go. You know, if you are, because everyone can't go with you where you're trying to go. Mm. That's just not how this works. You know, you appreciate everyone for the role that they played in your life, but everyone can't go where you're going. And that is, I believe, by divine purpose. And so when you are just a regular person and you're elevating and the people around you are seeing that, perhaps they're uncomfortable with that. It's not a, it's not an indictment against you. It's just that the people around you, for whatever reason, they have determined that, okay, I can't, or there's no space for me there. Not that you have done anything to alienate them. And so, you know, you just, you thank everyone. Again, I believe in expressing gratitude. So you show your gratitude to everyone along your journey But if the people that you want to be around cannot, then ultimately you have to process that, come to terms with that. And then ultimately you have to let it go because holding on to the fact that perhaps your sister, your mom, your cousin, that they're not supporting you the way that you want them to support you. That's just going to take you off of your goal because your goal is to go forward, look forward, move forward, Mm. not to worry about who's not doing what and why. If those people will come back around again, then I believe that, you know, to always have a hand, you know, to always be open to the conversation. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But ultimately, if your job is to impact and influence those around you, you can't be so consumed with who's not doing what, because that just takes away from the work that you have to do. Mm, I, I love that. And I think a lot about, again, us being first gen grads and what it means that our communities and our social networks, depending on who we are and personalities and things, but they really can have an influence on us. And some of the reasons that we may not be more comfortable making decisions that are opposite of what other people want for us is the fear of losing people mm-hmm. and the fear of what happens if my mom is angry or my cousin is upset or, you know, this friend of mine no longer talks to me when this is a good decision. And so I like that you still, you know, frame things in a way that is rationalizing and understanding deep within and, and finding internal peace about what you have going on. And again, understanding that your life is your life and only you can live it and other people will adjust. But if they for you, they just for you. And, you know, you and I both said it, but I've had to learn it, especially in being an entrepreneur. And I imagine you've had similar experiences that sometimes, you know, you'll be like, oh, I got this thing going on. And people are like, I got you, I got you, I got you. When it's time to ha- have you, you'll be like, well, say, you know, can you come through for me on this? And it's like, nah, I can't do that. And he's like, I thought you said you had me. So Interesting beyond education and other endeavors, so many life moments will show you no matter what, some people are going to ride and some people are going to fall by the wayside. That's again why it's so important that when you're making your decisions, you think about you first because taking care of you isn't selfish. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, we live with ourselves every day. Mm -hmm. We're accountable for ourselves every day. Our success or not success is predicated upon the decisions we made and we have to. You are obligated to yourself and to your family. They may not think so, but you're obligated to making sure that you're making the best decisions for you today. Mm. You're not trying to hurt anyone. You're not trying to alienate anyone, but you do have to take that moment Mm. to think about you and make those decisions based upon you. And at some point, it will come full circle. And then people will see, oh, I got it. 
Mm. Do you think some people just refuse to change and they're just going to allow people to continue to control their lives? Um, I think I think a lot of that is just fear. Huh. I think that deep down people tend to want better and to do better, but they don't know how, right? If you haven't seen it, then you don't know that it's possible, right? If you feel like, man, my aunt, you know, she went her own way and this family still alienates her. You'll feel scared to do the same for yourself. But the truth is, and that's again why who made potato salad is so important because it is real people, just your regular next door neighbor person where you can read about these people. In this book, it's women. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you can read about these women and it's for men too because men, you can all learn. Everyone can learn and you don't have to be black because we all can learn from one another. But you can read from these women and you can say, wow, this is just a regular person. This is not Rihanna. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, And this regular person opened up to the world about their experiences. So if, if they were able to do it, then maybe let me try. So I don't think that people are necessarily resistant to change. They're resistant to the outcome of the change. And because we don't know the outcome and because we can't control the outcome, it's easier to just stay in the routine of it all. But it is possible and, and it requires an act of bravery. It requires an act of betting on yourself, mm. you know, to say, you know what, I'm worth it. I deserve this and I'm going to do it. But I think that people are resistant to the outcome of the change and not necessarily the change. Mm. You're just going to drop all the gems, aren't you? Just drop, you know? just drip, drip, drop. <laughs> Thank you. Because uh, I mean, again, the resistance is not the change, it's the fear. I mean, anything that we don't know or understand, we tend to shy away from in those people. But something you said that I'm really fond of is the idea of betting on yourself, especially again, as we are first gen grads and we are living in this world where a lot of things for us career wise, even from sometimes the entrepreneurial perspective, being authors, just doing all these things as the first in our families is new, but it's about overcoming the fear and making the decision as, you know, I would imagine, you know, you'd agree to move forward in those things that we want for our lives and not thinking that just because we don't have people in our immediate families or sometimes even immediate circles who have done things like the people who we see that are influencers on social media. It doesn't mean it's impossible for us. So being able to dream, I really love those points and how you highlight them and bring them up. And even I love how you say we can all learn from each other because you say I wrote a book for black women. Somebody's like, well, it ain't for me, so I ain't gonna buy it. But I love, love the idea that, well, this may be something that you can learn from and gain a perspective. So that's a, a good point on development in, in that perspective. And even thinking about development, what are some of the things that you are currently doing to continue to grow as a person and professional, be it that it's conferences or going, you know, to read books? What are some of your go-tos to continue to push forward and continue to see your success evolve? Yes. Well, I am, listen, like I said, I'm not a licensed therapist, but my psychology degrees, I put them to work every day (laughs) (laughs) because it's important to always do, as Iyama Van Zandt would say, do the work, Mm. right? And one thing I do is I'm always just exploring myself, taking in my thoughts, taking in my actions, saying, okay, was this the best way to handle that? Mm -hmm. What could I have done better? And it's not to, and that's the thing, a lot of us say, oh, I'm my own worst critic. 
no longer, right? Because being your own worst critic means you're pulling out all the bad things, right? And trust me, I was that person who I could pull out every single thing and pick me apart. Like, can't nobody pick me apart. Like, I could pick me apart. But what I decided to say was, one, I need to find the great things about myself because I have a lot of great qualities and to own them and to highlight those things. Mm -hmm. But then to say, you know what? I have all these great things about myself, but I'm also not a perfect person. Mm -hmm. And so I made the commitment to say, you know what? I'm not a perfect person, but I'm committed to every day being better than what I was yesterday. So I say, all right, what did I do today that I didn't really like? That sort of made me cringe. All right. Well, I apologize to myself. Hmm. I apologize to me for allowing X, Y, and Z to happen. I may not necessarily apologize to maybe someone who I've affronted because the opportunity is not there, but I apologize to them in spirit because I know that maybe I didn't do the best by them. It's very important to reconcile those things of who we are versus who we want to be. And I'm committed to moving towards who I want to be. And if anything is not aligned with that, then I, I shed that. And I don't have the time for that, right? And that's personally. And that's a daily thing. That is just, you just have to go through it. And sometimes it doesn't feel comfortable. Sometimes we don't even like who we see in the mirror, right? Like sometimes we're just like, who is this person? Apologize to that person and just say, you know what? We're going to be better. We have to acknowledge our highlights and our lowlights as a person. And if there are things that we're doing that we don't like about ourselves, then effectively at that moment, you can commit to not doing it again. Professionally, though, it's really about what I will say, being free. I am a lot more free I because I always used to do what was expected of me. I sort of lived in this box, but, you know, I am a big girl, so I realized that I outgrew that box. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so now there's no box and there's no, there's nothing sort of restricting me. I, I'm in the spirit of saying, yes, you know, what is happening? What opportunities are coming my way? Mm-hmm. What is aligned with who I am as a person and where I'm going professionally? I am confident in my voice. And I'm a lot more confident in my voice now. You know, I always knew that I had a lot to say, but I didn't really trust that people were listening. And oh my gosh, had I known 10 years ago that people were actually listening to what I had to say, how would my life be much more different? Mm. But again, I needed Mm. that process to go, okay, I know I have a lot to say, but I'm not confident in my voice. And I don't believe that people are listening to me. So I am, you know, my boundaries, boundaries are important, you know? And so I make sure that I'm always operating in the space that is comfortable for me, that is aligned with who I am. You know, I'm saying yes to things that are aligned with my mission, my personal mission and my professional mission. And I'm, and I'm having fun with it all, right? It, it really is fun. And, and I don't worry about what could go wrong because something's going to go wrong all the time. And what goes wrong is not the problem. It's how you manage when something goes wrong. And it can either be a positive outcome or a negative outcome. Hmm. And I'm committed to always seeing the light in everything. And I will reframe just about anything <laughs> into making sure that it is a learning opportunity. Mm. That positive mindset will take you a long way. A long way. And I love that reframe. I love that your even your theme of things has been to reframe. 
Like, don't just see it the one way when you see it automatically. Take the time to reframe it. Ooh, this is real good. And these, again, gems. So y'all made it rewind, take some notes, come back, <laughs> get it again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but I am, you know, we're at a point where we're having to wrap up and I could ask you questions all day. Like, I know I can. We can talk all day because of thoughtfulness and that deep reflection, that self-awareness is something that's really important for us as a people and for our success. But um, if you had anything that you'd like to share with us as a final thought, something to keep with us for the rest of our lives, what would you tell us? What would you say? Yes, my personal model is do good, be great. And that is simply to do good in the world. Our action should not be to intentionally harm people and to be a great person, you know, Mm -hmm. to be a person of high moral character and to always strive to be the best version of yourself. So if I can leave you with anything very simple, you know, to remember and very, I believe, very easy to live by, it's just to do good and be great. Mm. Do good and be great. I'm going to just do that and put that on my wall. <laughs> just do good and be I'm just going to put that on my wall. Well, Zinga, I have really enjoyed having you here and it just, just didn't feel like enough time. I mean, it never is enough, especially when you're enjoying the conversation. And like I said, people like you and I could talk all day because we, we just dig deep and dig deep and, and think critically about things, which is exciting. But mm-hmm. uh, I am, again, just so glad that you came here. Y'all go get the book, Who Made the Potato Salad? Make sure y'all check it out. And, you know, especially uh, Black women who are just looking for that continued empowerment and community and celebration of our womanhood. And for those of you who are interested in intersectionality and diversity and inclusion, you see see how this thing fits in? Oh, y'all, go ahead and go get that book. And we're actually going to put in the show notes a link to it so you don't have to be like, well, I'm closing. Look, it is on Amazon. If you got to go right now, but we're definitely going to link in the notes for you to be able to, to get to both in Zynga's social media um, and website and all that fun stuff. So, and Zynga, on that note, thank you again, LS, sister, wonderfulness. I appreciate it. You know, just you being here and sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you. I love you. I appreciate you for having me. Oh my gosh. I love you too. I really do. Look, here we go. Here we don't start with me today. You are an amazing woman. Like you really are.